The podcast is called Who Cares About Men's Health? We talk about health things here uh, to make it seem normal and also to educate you as well. And we're some guys that are not afraid to say we care about our health. It's cool to care about your health. My name is Scott. I am the manager of thescoperadio.com, and I care about men's health. And I'm Dr. Troy Madsen. I'm an emergency physician at the University of Utah, and I also care about men's health. No, Troy, say it like you mean it. Come on, one more time with feeling. Scott, this is Troy, and I really <laughs> care about my health and men's health. I I love men's health. Perfect. A little less sarcasm next time. And <laughs> we have Dr. Chris Gee on. Go ahead, say your thing. How do I follow up with that, right? <laughs> I could do it a little more sincerely than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm Dr. Chris Gee. I'm a sports medicine physician for the University of Utah, and I care about men's health. Today's topic, forward head posture, it's something that you see. Do you see this a lot now? I mean, with people in their phones and their devices, looking at monitors, computer monitors, do you just walk around and go, oh my gosh, look at that person, look at that person, look at that person? For sure. You know, once you start thinking about it, uh, I think we all start to adjust our posture a little bit and I'll, I'll start talking about it to patients and notice they start to sit up more uh, appropriately and <laughs> yeah. take notice. Yep. All right. So I'm going to make a, a confession. Uh, I'm going to try to keep this, you know, somewhat reasonably timed. I have this forward head posture. I think I've had it my whole life. Um, some other names for it, by the way. These are good. Have you heard other names for it, um, Dr. Gee? <laughs> I've heard the Dowager's hump. That's one I've heard. Yep. Yep. That's that's great. You know, as a Scott guy. Has the Dowager's yeah, hump. Yeah. As, yeah. As, as a guy, that's exactly what you want to hear about yourself. <laughs> dowager. <laughs> <laughs> did we did we figure a dowager is like an old British lady or something like well, that? Well, I think a, in, like a British term for like some old. I think so. It's an old lady. It's an old lady, and I, you know, yeah. So, so some other terms that they use, they call it text neck, eye hunch, eye posture, nerd neck, poking <laughs> chin posture, computer neck, and tech neck. Because I guess I could imagine programmers looking at their monitors all day. And if your eyesight's a little bad, I suppose you're probably sticking that head out just a little bit more. Now, I, I like, think I've I had like tech neck. I yeah, you like that's, one. that's yeah. I don't like any of them, Troy. I look well, at I just, people I, that have the proper posture and I'm just jealous of them all the time. They don't <laughs> have like that. The, I like the term. I like the term tech neck. I'm not asking for tech neck, but I yeah, like it. They have that rounded, that rounded hump. So yeah. I, I, I've been trying to untangle that, Dr. Gee. And I know that this is a problem that a lot of people have. So uh, like where, where, where should we start? Now I'm going to confess, I have been doing some exercises, but I want to hear your take. So, you know, just a little anatomy. When we look at our spines, um, they're not straight up and down. They actually have a normal curve. So in our lower back, it actually curves kind of with the, the apex of the curve towards your abdomen. In the in your back, uh, your upper back, your thorax, the curve goes the opposite direction, uh, kind of with the apex towards your back. And then our necks do the opposite. They, they kind of curve towards the front. Now, what that ends up doing is, is when we relax our posture, when we allow our, our muscles to not contract, we basically start to slip or exacerbate some of those curvatures. And so our neck curves more to the front, putting our head more forward. Our back curves out, causing that, that hump effect. Um, and this is really a problem because so much of what we do, logically, is, is in front of us. And as we're focusing in on smaller items, you know, phones and, and desktops and, and uh, computers, we 
allow our shoulders to rotate forward. We allow our head to, to move forward. And we basically lose a lot of that appropriate posture in our neck and back. And it, it exacerbates this and causes a lot of pain and dysfunction for people. Yeah. I mean, for me, you know, a big part of it, obviously, I saw a picture of myself just a couple of weeks ago from the side that somebody took. And I'm just like, oh my God, that's terrible. Like, I don't want to have that the rest of my life. But I also put this in the category of nagging health issues. And you can tell me, it sounds like you're saying the same thing. You know, you've got a structural compromise, right? So we start making accommodations. Then as a result, muscles stop doing the job that they're supposed to do. They atrophy or other muscles get tight and they're not able to do the job they're supposed to do. Is that kind of what's going on there? Exactly. You know, if you're not using a muscle routinely, it's going to lose its strength and its uh, control. It's not going to go away entirely. It's just not as strong. And when you look at our at our spines, they are surrounded with muscle. Um, so if we tend to be looking more at something in front of us, our neck is going to pull forward and we're going to we're going to be using the neck muscles in the front, but not in the back. And we're going to lose some of that control. And it's going to naturally go into that position where it's kind of head forward, hunched back um, position that we, that none of us like to see in ourselves. Is part of that now because, and when it gets worse and worse, those back neck muscles are getting weaker and weaker. So to make it better, do you just strengthen those? Yeah. So there's definitely, you know, it's one thing when you all, Everybody can kind of sit up straight and bring their shoulders back. But there are some things that we should be doing to kind of keep these muscles strong. Um, and you want to balance them. You know, you want to think about, okay, your your neck muscles maybe in the front are getting extra work. They're stronger. Uh, the back, the muscles in the back of the neck are getting weaker. And so you want to work on stretching those anterior muscles and strengthening the posterior muscles or the muscles in the back. So that you effectively, if you looked at your spine kind of in cross section or across it, you would see that the muscles are in the front or as equally strong as in the back and they can hold position throughout the day without getting fatigued and getting into that position. So Chris, I'll, I'll share with you one thing and I don't know if it's something you've tried or used with anyone who's had this issue, but something that's helped me is a, um, a Pilates exercise and it's called swimming. If you just Google Pilates swimming. So basically you're lying flat on the ground, stomach on the ground, you lift your back legs up and your front legs are up and your head's back. And then you're kind of up and down alternating like you're swimming. And I'll tell you, I've, I've dealt with this and have dealt with a lot of thoracic spine pain, mid thoracic pain. I know we've talked about it before. Um, and I don't know if you've used this or recommended similar exercises or have other things you've recommended for people, but it's one thing I've tried to do that seems to help. For sure. You know, that's a very, that's a great exercise. As we're looking at these areas, one of the other things that we'll often see is we tend to focus less on our backs and more on our anterior parts of our bodies, obviously. So for example, in the arm, you always want to have your big biceps, right? Nobody cares as much about their triceps. Um, and the same thing with your upper back, your thorax, we, you want to have a nice healthy pec muscle. Um, but we care less about what our backs look like. Um, and so because of that, we tend to have a lot more musculature there. And so like you talked about in that Pilates swimming position, you're basically stretching out the anterior chest, getting those muscles kind of stretched in the pec, but is at the same time strengthening the back muscles that are going to pull your shoulder blades back, open up your chest and get you in a better position. 
So yeah, a couple of things I'll have people do is you can do this in a, um, in your office or your home or wherever. Basically you put your, your hands on either side of a door jam, um, and just kind of, well, lifting your arms up to about 90 degrees and just kind of step into the door jam and just let that stretch your anterior chest mm-hmm. and you'll feel kind of a pull in your, in your, uh, pec muscles, your chest muscles. Um, you can even do it more by bringing your hands up kind of to that 90 degree position. So you bend your elbow 90 degrees with your hand up over your head and, and your arm out to 90 degrees as well. And then doing that and then letting that stretch the anterior chest, um, can be helpful. And then working on strengthening those, uh, back muscles, like, like, uh, Troy was talking about, um, there's a number of different ways you can do that. Um, I like the the swimming kind of thing. I'll have people sometimes lay down just flat on the ground so you're on your face. And you can work on um, having your arms straight out to the side and just even just lifting them up off the ground, almost like a, a leg lift. But for your arms, you're just lifting them up off the ground. That's going to stretch the chest, strengthen the back. You can even add weights to kind of lift up some of that. Um, and th- those things can be helpful to open the chest, strengthen the back, and get you where you need to be. When this has come up before, too, I've even seen just some studies that looked at just simple back exercises, you know, essentially doing the same thing you're talking about with that motion on the ground. But just while you're sitting at your desk, just moving your your shoulders back and trying to touch your, your, uh, your scapula together behind, yeah. you know, just reaching back far. And that seems to at least also give you a little bit of a stretch and maybe some strengthening in the back as well. Exactly. Um, so when I've had patients that are coming in and they've got a problem with this, I will basically have them, you know, some set a reminder on their phone. Um, it, sometimes it has to be every hour. Sometimes, you know, a couple times a day, just to that their alarm goes off and they say, Oh yeah, I need to do my exercises. And those are super simple where, you know, you're sitting in your desk, you just sit up a little more straight, pull your shoulder blades together. And you do that four or five times, just um, tightening the muscle between uh, your shoulder blades. That'll help to kind of open that up. And then I'll even have them do some chin translations or um, kind of pulling their neck back. So this might be a little weird to describe, but what people can do is you, you basically want to not extend your neck. So you're not tipping your head back, but you're pulling your head backwards. So imagine if you were standing, if you stand up against a wall and you push your head back against the wall. So you're kind of pushing it back there and you can do this with your hand behind your head. You can kind of push back and just work on pulling your head back and then you push it forward to kind of stretch the muscle and pull it back and push it forward almost like a cobra strike but those can be really helpful just to I was going to come up with muscles. something else I was going to call it like the chicken head it's like a chicken oh, there you go. <laughs> that's not nearly as cool as the cobra strike so I like your name for it better <laughs> if, go you're gonna, yeah. strike. if you're going to try to you're going to try to cure your dowager's hump you need a you yeah. need a really cool exercise yeah. to right. do the cobra yeah. head counterbalance that yeah. <laughs> exactly um so yeah i went into um i went into a physical therapist and they gave me some exercises to do but what i really like what you said that i think can help somebody as they're working through these exercises because you can find them online i think a lot of the ones yep. online um and if you want have somebody work through it then you know a physical therapist appointment's great but it's this notion of stretching 
and strengthening. So you're stretching one muscle and you're strengthening the opposite muscle, um, which as I start doing the exercise, it took a couple weeks, but I started becoming more in touch with my pectoral muscles were tight or I started coming in, uh, you know, touch with some of my back muscles that apparently must have been tight as well. Um, and I just really had to stick with it for a couple of weeks. Now, how long is it going to take me to actually get over this? That's the that's the tough one. And it depends a lot on how how good you are or, or consistent you are about doing these things. Um, if you think about it's taken you your entire life to this point to develop that posture, <laughs> sure. you know, it's going to take you some time, sometimes some some months to correct that posture and to get yourself into a position where you naturally just sit in that that pose. And that's where I tell people too, you know, sometimes they're starting off doing these exercises hourly, you know, um, but sometimes it can get down to where, you know, maybe towards the end of the day, you have an alarm go off on your phone and you go, oh yeah, just check your posture, just make sure you're doing all right um, and pull yourself back up where you need to be. I'm noticing too, after doing the exercise, I, I became more aware too of my posture when I was walking or when I was sitting you know, and when I'd, when I'd uh, stick my head out or I have a weird thing where I actually tip my head back. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. Like I mean, I've, got I, a, I've got a picture of it if you want, if you want to see, <laughs> <laughs> but like when I'm walking or sitting, instead of just having my, you know, a nice straight kind of thing going on, I, I tip my head back. Like, I don't know. Am I trying to support the weight by resting it on my <laughs> spine or what? Just neutralizing the, the, your, the size of your head, maybe? <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and a lot of times what I tell people is it's important to think about those things. And, and the fact that you have a picture and you've, you've looked at that and said, hey, I'm doing this. Um, those are very insightful. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, a picture is worth a thousand words sometimes when you see yourself sitting in a certain way and you said, that's my posture. Yeah. And then you realize, okay, I need to adjust this. And sometimes it's a different muscle group that you need to strengthen so that your posture brings back into a, a normal way that's not going to cause arthritis and problems down the road. I guess what it is, is it's like I'm constantly looking at the sky or something, as opposed to if I kind of get back into the position that these exercises have taught me that I should be in, I'm yeah. looking more straightforward or even down just a little bit. Yeah. Well, do you well, think you're looking back to try and compensate? Is that your way of being well, like, ah, oh, I can't hunch over. I got to tilt my head back. No, I just, it's the way I've been carrying my body and I don't know what started it. I don't know if it's a, a result of this dowager hump and, and now this is just three or four steps down the chain, you know, of <laughs> degradation. I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. You're, you're a medical mystery, Scott. I am a medical mystery. <laughs> True. Um, so as I've been doing some of these exercises and even becoming more aware of my posture and trying to get my you know, head from that forward position back into more of a neutral position, am I going to notice some muscular kind of tension, soreness? Um, is it going to get fatiguing after a while when I'm sitting the right way after I've done it wrong for so long? That's a great point. And, and yes, you actually should. You know, like I mentioned a, a, another time, if you are working out a muscle appropriately, you're stretching it, your you're strength, or sorry, you are kind of breaking it down a little bit and causing it to hypertrophy and get, get stronger. And so if you're doing it right, you're probably going to feel a little bit of soreness in that area, might be a little tired. Um, I, I wouldn't expect it to be painful, but, you know, if you feel like, ah, 
my back's a little tired, you know, from, from doing this. Um, that, that shows me that you're kind of doing the right thing. Now, over the long term, as those muscles get strong and they get balanced out, you should have less pain in your back because of the fact that now everything is equal. You're not over pulling one direction or another, um, and that will prevent a lot of pain down the road. And I'm noticing it between my shoulder blades, um, kind of get tired after a while. Would that be kind of one of the places? Yes, very much so. Uh, the rhomboids are a group of muscles that sit in between your shoulder blades, and they tend to be pretty weak in most of us just because of the fact that we we pull our shoulders forward, we stretch those muscles out, and they don't really get activated as much as they should. And so, yeah, feeling a little bit of soreness in there is fine. Um, you can always use a little heat and ice to kind of calm some of that down. But most of the time, that's a good sign that you're you're using the right muscles and starting to get these stronger. What about that bump, the actual physical bony bump process that's sticking out? Sometimes I've noticed that now starts getting kind of sore in around there. I don't yeah. think it's the bump itself. I think it's the muscles, but. Yeah, exactly. There, there's muscles that go right alongside the spinous processes, which are the, the little bump that stick out on your neck. Um, and they're going to get activated. They're, they're, their tendons attach right onto the bone. And so as they get used, that's going to get a little sore sometimes. Um, and it is normal. I, I, I should stress to people that that C7, uh, the, kind of the bottom of your neck, top of your chest, naturally does stick out a little more because of the change from, from one angle to another within the, the thorax to the neck. So it, it's impossible to make that perfectly straight or it shouldn't be perfectly straight. But Working on building those muscles around there will get you in a good position to offload the the weight of your head and neck and and allow them to prevent uh, degeneration and arthritis and those things. So it seems like, uh, I, you know, if somebody is suffering from this, I think for me, it was becoming aware was the first step. And believe it or not, like it was those stretches and exercises kind of it took it took a couple weeks. And then I started becoming even more aware as a result of those stretches and exercises and I'll catch myself periodically throughout the day, and I kind of got to straighten stuff out again. Um, so becoming aware, I'd imagine, is the first thing, and then start doing some of those stretch and strengthen exercises would be the next step. Does that sound reasonable? Totally. Yeah, just being aware of what your posture is. And, you know, sometimes, well, a lot of times, things like this with a podcast to just make you think of it, go, oh, yeah, I, I, I should improve my posture. And then you start working on doing some of those exercises is that's going to remind you when you get into a bad posture, you're going to feel it a little bit more and okay, straighten things back up. And the thing I like, the thing I like about this too, Chris, it's not like you're always thinking about your posture. Cause I think for so long, I always felt like, Oh, I have to think about it. I have to roll my shoulders back or, you know, walk around right. with a book on my head to practice my posture or something. It's, <laughs> it's more like, Hey, let's just stretch in the right spots. Let's strengthen the right spots. And then it sounds like the posture then follows naturally as you balance out that stretching and strengthening. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's really one of those things that as the muscles get stronger, they're going to hold it in a better position and they're not going to let that, that crouch forward as often. Um, and so, yeah, being aware, gradually increasing the strength and stability, you're going to notice that posture improve over time. Some very good tips today. Thank you very much for helping me through this. I'll keep doing my stretches and my exercises. And uh, thank you for caring about men's health. Yeah, excellent. Glad to, glad to help out. Our core four we talk about is nutrition, activity, make sure that you're mentally healthy and get that sleep. 
And this falls in the mental health category. Uh, I want to talk about an article I found that is titled Five Strategies for Cultivating Hope This Year. This is from a website called The Conversation. First of all, Troy, what do you know the difference between hope and optimism? And there is a difference, and I found this fascinating. Hmm. Maybe hope is more focused on like a specific thing, like you're hoping for something where optimism is more like just your general outlook on life and what happens to you. Yeah, you're pretty close on the optimism. You got that part right. Okay. Uh, According to this article, optimism is a general expectation that good things will happen in the future. So it's about expecting good things. However, hope is defined as the tendency to see desired goals as possible. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's kind of like optimism. It's more, yeah, like you said, it's more your outlook and your outlook on, but yeah, hope is more something that drives you to action. So, and optimism too comes with a very dark side, which is you tend to then avoid the negative and the real sometimes. And that's not necessarily mentally healthy as well. Sometimes you do have to, you know, um, face that type of stuff, Uh those roadblocks and failure where people, you know, uh, with, with hope, they realize that stuff's going to happen and they deal with it as opposed to optimism, perhaps avoiding it. Hmm. So this article, Hope Versus Optimism, talks about then how can you cultivate hope? And the first thing you need to do is just do something. So imagine and act and start with goals. So pick something and then decide that you're going to do it and set some goals, set a path to help you get closer to that outcome that you want. So the first thing is just do something and start with goals. The second thing, I thought this was fascinating. Nobody likes uncertainty, right? You, you kind of want to know what's going to happen. But number two in this article is harness the power of uncertainty. And they say that in, uncertainty is a reason for hope because um, it gives you the ability to perceive the possibility of success. It's not written in stone. You're going to fail at this. Nobody's ever done this before you know, there's a chance that you might be able to achieve this. So that uncertainty actually helps feed hope. Hmm. Number three, manage your attention. They say hopeful people did not necessarily seek out emotionally positive information. However, people high on hope spend less time paying attention to emotionally sad or threatening information. Number four, seek community. Don't go it alone. So this is, uh, you know, you've heard the saying, you are you know, the five people you surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. So avoid, you know, try to uh, avoid negative interactions with people and connect with others who hold us accountable and remind us why our struggles matter. Mm-hmm. And then number five, when you're trying to cultivate hope this year, according to this article in the conversation, is to look at the evidence. So hopeful people stake their trust in data, particularly in the evidence of history. So, for example, the example they gave here, which I love, um, anti-poverty act- activists drew hope from knowing that historically, when people join together in resistance, they are actually able to create change. So that is the article. That's a summary. I highly encourage you to go to theconversation.com and read five strategies for cultivating hope this year. But it's been a year where I think all of us could use a little bit of hope. And I think also that differentiation between, you know, are you an optimistic person? I want to strive to be an optimistic person. Uh, you know, it might not be bad, but I think striving to be a hopeful person is better. 
Just going to leave this here. It might have something to do with health or it might be something completely random. Troy, go ahead and start for us. Scott, I'm just going to leave this here. You know, I was thinking recently about one of my teachers, one of my attending physicians in med school. This guy's name's Tyler Simmet, C-Y-M-E-T. Great teacher, great guy. But he seemed like he definitely wanted something named after him in medicine. Like, you know, you have hear these different things, like they're named after different physicians or different researchers. So he had named something on his hand after him. He called it the Simmet Bump. And it's on your ring finger. It's the place where your your pencil rests. I guess if you rest your pencil or pen on your ring finger, the bump you get there, you submitted it to a medical journal and they rejected it. And I looked him up recently and I found out he finally had something named after him. It was some rare syndrome that's on his <laughs> Wikipedia page. So following in Dr. Simmet's footsteps, I have found something I am going to name after myself. And I discovered this on myself recently. It's on my thumb. It's on my right thumb. And I don't know if you experienced this as well. Maybe this is a phenomenon more unique to Utah where we have very dry weather and cold, dry winters. But on my thumb, on the middle part of my thumb, right next to my thumbnail, it's where, where I tap my phone, like as I'm typing with my right hand or tapping on my phone, I've got what I'm now going to call the Madsen fissure. It's a crack. <laughs> it's a crack on my thumb next to my thumbnail. And I, I probably need to really do more of a survey here to find out if other people have the Madsen fissure. But if so, I'm going to submit this to a medical journal, the Madsen fissure. Just keep your eyes out for it. So the definition would be the crack in the skin that occurs from living in a cold, dry, arid climate when you use your cell phone? Yes, essentially, okay. yes. <laughs> so I will go down in history as having a crack named after me. So, oh, well, I'm yeah. so proud. I'm you, sure. you should be. You should be. Well, just going to leave this here. I found kind of a new squat uh, form thing that you could try. It's called a dumbbell drop squat, although I use a kettlebell. And um, you take the dumbbell or the kettlebell and you put both hands on it and hold it between your legs. So you're standing up straight, right? I guess you kind of hold it straight in front of you, right? You're standing up straight and you hold it next to your body right in front of you. So it's right in front of your hips, I guess. And then you just squat straight down. So it goes down in a straight line. Hmm. And what I like about that is I've done traditional barbell squats, that sort of thing. This squat kind of forces you to be in a little bit better form so you can kind of learn your form. So if you struggled with your squat form before, this is a good way to kind of do, you know, this exercise to get what it should feel like. And it's it's kind of tough hmm. um, because you, you end up staying in a little bit more of an upright position. Um, but anyway, I thought that was cool. You could Google it if you want to, a dumbbell drop squat, but Perhaps something new to add to your exercise regimen, especially if you don't feel a lot of confidence about doing back barbell squats and eventually want to get to the point where you can. And that's a that's a kettlebell squat then. So you well, uh, the, the way I saw it used a dumbbell. Okay, but but I I use a kettlebell because that's what I have. So either way, it works. Yeah, you could do it either way. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Nice. I have to. I have not done that. I'll have to check it out. All right, time to say the things that you say at the end of podcast because we are at the end of ours. First of all, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do it a lot of different ways. The way that would be kind of cool is if you called 60155-SCOPE, that's 60155-SCOPE, and leave us a voicemail with your message, your question, your feedback, whatever. But there are other methods as well. You can contact us, hello at thescoperadio.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash whocaresmenshealth. Our website is whocaresmenshealth.com. Also, subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, whatever works for you. 
Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring about men's health. 